Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. Pastor AJ out of town. Why don't you give a hand for our worship team? Man. My, oh my, oh my. How do we transition out of that? Well, in case you don't know who I am, hopefully you do by now. My name's Tyler Gibbs. I'm the student director here, and, and I have the honor of serving and being with our teenagers week in and week out. And can I just share with you for a moment just what God is doing within LTY? Can I do that? Because I don't get a lot of time with the microphone in my hand. So I want to I take my opportunity and share with you a little bit. So um, I believe it was, it was in the month of May, right, honey, where we came on staff here at Love and Truth and we were able to step in as the student directors and and we started LTY kind of back up from the ground up in mid-May. And since mid-May, we have seen this happen. We've seen 12 teenagers give their life to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, come on. You're going to be clapping a while because they got a lot of these. We have seven teenagers that have recommitted their life to the Lord. Within LTY, we've seen nine water baptisms. We've seen six Holy Spirit baptisms, along with one refilling of the Holy Spirit. And get this, this is, pro- this is one of my favorite ones. We have had five documented, documented healings that have taken place back there in LTY on a Wednesday night. Can I just share with you just for a moment, I believe God is moving within our middle school and our high school students. And I believe the Lord has given me a phrase for the year 2023. I haven't, un- uh, is my mic on? Is my mic still on, AJ? I, I, I believe that God has given us an assignment for our students. And it's this phrase. Our next generation is going to be a revival generation. A revival generation. I believe it with everything that I have in me. I've seen God do so many great things. I believe he's raising up a generation. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage each one of you. Pray into that. Pray into that for this next generation. I believe, I mean, we're in a revival here in Love and Truth Church. We know that. We're seeing people baptized every week. We're seeing people saved, set free, delivered. We know that. But I believe there's more. There's always more. Can I get an amen in the house? There's always more of God to encounter, to experience. And I believe that the next generation 
is going to be a revival generation where they're going to see miracle signs and wonders poured out, salvations, water baptisms filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a Holy Ghost party within our next generation. I believe it. I choose to believe that. So I'm going to get into the Word. Is that all right? Just that little introduction there because I want to share with you because that's my heart. That's my passion is being able to see our students thrive in the purpose of God for their lives. I believe I've got a, a very straightforward assignment for tonight. Very straightforward. I want to ask you this question. Do you still believe, and I say still for a reason, but do you still believe that Jesus is coming back? Do you? Because this day and time, I remember whenever I was younger, in case you don't know, I was raised Southern Baptist. Don't hold that against me. But even within the Southern Baptist Church, when I was younger, when I was a kid, I remember growing up and hearing sermon after sermon on the coming of Jesus. I remember hearing sermon after sermon on the end times. I remember going through the book of Revelation. I remember, I remember it. But I feel like we've lost it a little bit. I don't know. I feel like I don't really hear teaching about Jesus coming back. I feel like we even have some of the younger generations who maybe don't even know that Jesus is supposed to be coming back. So tonight, I want to ask, do you still believe that Jesus is coming back? Because according to the Word of God, He is. And He's not coming back to do what He did before either. He's not coming back to die on a cross. He's not coming back to spend three to three and a half years in a ministry. He's not coming back to be an a apostle over a church. He's not coming back to do any of those things. He's coming back to take his bride home. He's coming back to take his church home. And guess what? If you're saved, you're part of that. You're going to be going home with the Lord. Open your Bibles tonight. I've got a tough assignment. Leave it to the youth guy to open up the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number 19. And I do want to say real quick, I meant to do it already. I know Pastor AJ isn't here tonight, um, but I also know that he'll be listening to this later. I just want to say I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the opportunity. I'm honored that he allows me to step in on a Wednesday night and to teach and to preach. Um, it's a true honor. We have great, great campus pastors here with Pastor AJ and Crystal, who's in the booth tonight. I mean, it is. Can you just give a hand for our campus pastors? I'm thankful for their leadership. They are amazing. I love them very much. Revelation 19, we're going to read just a few verses, beginning in verse number 6. I know we don't do this all the time, but why don't you stand tonight for the reading of the Word of God? Revelation 19, beginning in verse Number six, the word of God says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of, a, of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Can we just take a second? Can you just imagine what it's like in heaven right now? Sitting around the throne, the elders, the angels, everyone gathered around the throne, worshiping and shouting, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. 
for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. And then can you imagine what it will be like when we're there and we're all gathered around the church, all of us, not just Love and Truth Church, but all from all the ages, the church, the bride, worshiping around the throne. I just love that. I just love that. Let's keep reading. Verse number seven. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. Let's pray tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. Bless your word tonight. God, I pray that your promise would be fulfilled tonight, that your word would not return void. Speak to our hearts. And Lord, let this be a night where we examine ourselves. Show us anything that is not of you. We're thankful for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, you can be seated tonight. And as you're being seated, I want to give you the title of my message, the topic that we're going to be based around tonight. And it's this, the bride and the bridegroom. The bride and the bridegroom. So I believe that there is coming a day where there's going to be a wedding that takes place. And we see that here in Scripture, here in Revelation chapter 19. How many of you know that if there's a bride, which in case you don't know, the bride is the church, it's us, the believers, the, the universal church is the bride. If there's a bride and there's a bridegroom who's Jesus, that means there's got to be a wedding that takes place, right? There's a wedding feast that Revelation chapter 19 talks about. And how many of you know that before a, wedding, before a wedding feast, there's a wedding ceremony. So there's a wedding that's going to be taking place. And, and that's what we see here in Revelation chapter 19. And this is a joyous, joyous, glorious celebration, occasion that's going on here in Revelation 19. This is, a, this is, this is an exciting thing. Why? Because the church, the bride, is marrying the Savior, marrying Jesus. As of right now, we are literally fiancés to Jesus. That gets me excited. I don't know. I know that may be a little weird for us males because we're like, how can we be a bride? But that's just that's, that's the way Scripture lays it out. We're getting the honor of marrying, coming to, coming as one with Jesus. It's something that's just beautiful that we see here in Revelation chapter 19. And how many of you know a wedding, it's a joyous occasion. It's something that's exciting. At least I hope your wedding day was exciting and joyous. If it wasn't, I'm going to just refer you to Pastor AJ for, for marriage counseling. No, just, I remember my wedding day. I mean, it was uh, me and my wife, Katie, who's over here on the front row, we uh, um, is in the middle of COVID, right smack dab in the middle, in 2020 of COVID. So just a couple years ago, and, and it was an amazing day. And I want to show you a picture. The picture is going to come up on the screen. 
my favorite picture. It's a little bit weird with the screen, but my favorite picture from our wedding day. And I show you this for two reasons. Two reasons. One, I want to show you how beautiful my bride is. But number two, how many of you know that there is, you, you can't get the full picture, you can't get the full story just in one single picture, right? There's, and, and there's a story behind this picture. And I'm going to share with you that story. And I've got to share it quick because if I don't, I'm going to run out of time. But there's a story behind it. If you don't look at me and my wife, if you look in the background, you see some dark clouds rolling in. Some storm clouds rolling in. And uh, how this goes, so we're, we're there in the middle of the ceremony. And of course, I'm standing there. I'm facing who is soon to be here in just a few moments, my wife. And we're going through this wedding ceremony. And I was in this unique position, very unique position, where I was facing the perfect direction and I could see the storm clouds rolling in. My father-in-law, who uh, was the one officiating the wedding, he couldn't see the clouds rolling in. My wife, or soon to be my wife at that time, was facing me, and the clouds were rolling in behind her. So what am I doing? I'm trying to remain calm. Like, I don't want to freak my soon-to-be wife out already. You know, I don't want her be scared or anything like that but I know in the back of my mind at that time I was not filled with the spirit but I promise you I was trying to pray in tongues right there because I was like get those storm clouds away in Jesus name no but I knew what was coming and uh, no one else did I was the only one and then we're getting to the point in the ceremony we we were going to partake in communion together that was going to be the one of the first things we did and and uh, we got just about to that point, tornado sirens start going off in the middle of the wedding. And we're like, oh, man, let's rush this up. So we skipped a lot of stuff and just got to the I do's and the, and the kiss. And then we went out and we got one or two pictures outside. And then, boom, we were inside because all the storms broke loose in Hardin County. It was, it was, it was amazing. But um, I show you that for this reason. That in the middle of a storm, there is just joy on our faces. Celebration. In the middle of the storm that was about to ensue. And can I share with you tonight that if you're walking through a storm, if you're walking through a troubled time, if your finances aren't working out, if your marriage isn't working out, if your whatever is not working out and you're going through a storm, can I share with you there's a joyous occasion coming, and that's a wedding. That's a wedding day between you and Jesus Christ himself. There's a coming a day where there's going to be a second coming of the Lord, and there's going to be a wedding. There's going to be a wedding feast of the Lamb that we see in Revelation 19. So take heart. Take heart, I say. I'm going to need some people to talk back to me tonight, okay? Take heart. In the middle of the storm, there's something good that's on the horizon. I promise you tonight. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 24, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And we see that. It's a, it's a marriage, right? And it's the same with us, too. Becoming one is such a unique thing when it comes to us and Jesus on the 
wedding day where Jesus is coming back. It's such an interesting thing, and I really like what Chuck Smith says. Chuck Smith, he's a, the founder of the Calvary Chapel movement. It was birthed out of the Jesus movement that happened in California in the 60s and the 70s. Widespread revival. Some say it's the greatest awakening that ever hit the United States in the 60s and 70s. But he said this, this quote, The relationship of Christ and the church is intimate, delightful, and different. The relationship between Christ and His church. There's intimacy behind it. There's intimacy. It's a delight, but it's also different. There's no relationship on earth that can compare even even just a little bit to the relationship that we can have with Jesus Himself and His presence. It's different. We can't explain it. It's something that's so deep, so close And it's something that we should long for as believers, right? We should long for that intimate, delightful, but also that different relationship with Him. And that gets me kind of transitioned into into this next verse where we see here in verse number 8. Or sorry, verse number, um, yes, verse number 8. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people that word that that phrase she has been given that's the church right the bride she she has been given the church has been given the people of the church has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear and and as i was studying the scripture something kept coming up and i was as i i was really starting to focus in on this word pure This word pure. Because how many of you know that the church is called to be set apart from the world? Set apart from the world, clean, pure, sanctified, holy. That's what we're called to be. There's a need. I believe there's a strong need for a great purity movement within the church. And I think we've seen within the last couple years, we've seen some leaders go down within the church. We've seen it. I'm not saying I want to see leaders fall. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God is going to take care of his bride. He's going to take care of his church. And this word pure, I was, I was studying a little bit, and, it, and this word pure in the Greek, it mean, it's, it's this word katharos. Katharos. And, and this word is a very unique word because there's a twofold meaning to it. There's a twofold part to it. And number one, there's this idea of purity within the idea of, uh, of, of, of physically. There's a physical purity. And what that means, essentially, when you, when, it, when you study it, is it's purified by fire. Purified by fire. How many of you know that in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is represented by fire? I think we need some fire of the Holy Spirit to come and purify us. We don't like to talk about this every once in a while because it gets up in our business, right? But we need to be purified by fire. We need to be refined by the fire of the Holy Spirit. But also there's this idea of of a vine being cleansed by pruning. I think there's some things in our lives maybe that that the Holy Spirit needs to come in and prune away to, to, to clean up a little bit, to make right, to make righteous in the sight of the Lord. We've got some things. I've got some things. I've got some junk in my life that I want the Holy Spirit to come and, and purify, to, to, to prune a little bit. 
But there's also this idea, this second part of the word pure, and it's this idea of, of a purification of, of, um, of ethics, ethically speaking. And what that, what that kind of means when you study it is, is, is this idea of freedom, freedom from corrupt desire as you study it. Freedom from corrupt desire. What that means, sin, guilt, shame, condemnation, you can have freedom from it. You can have freedom from those things. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And can I share with you tonight that the Holy Spirit is here, He's present, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you need freedom, He's in the house tonight. He's in the house. Not only freedom from those things, but it also explains when you study this word, there's freedom from everything that is false. So no longer, no longer do you have to take and put a mask on. You no longer have to live in that masquerade, but you can take that mask off and be true to who God made you to be because He has made you holy. Whenever you give your life to Jesus and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are made Can I share with you tonight, you are made in the image of God. And your identity is not found in what you did, but it's in who Jesus is. And we need that. We need to grasp that. You don't have to live in fear of what people will think about you anymore. There's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom. Tonight, I believe, as I look here in verse number 9, Verse number 9 says, She is, or sorry, and the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. There's a wedding feast. There's a wedding feast that's going to take place. And he says here in the scripture, Blessed are those who are invited. Can I share with you? You are invited. If you have given your life to Jesus, you have an invitation in your mailbox right now to a wedding feast. And this is going to be a glorious thing, but you are invited. I am invited. I am blessed because I am invited. And I believe there are five things. I want to get practical a little bit. That's something I've learned with youth ministry back there in the back. They need practicality. How does this apply to my life? And I've learned I need that too. So five things, five things that I believe, that I believe that Scripture teaches that those who are invited to the wedding fest, to the wedding dinner, the wedding feast, love. Five things that they love. And I'm going to refer to these people as friends of the bridegroom. We have the bride. We have the bridegroom of Jesus. The, the, the friends of the bridegroom. Number one, they love Jesus and his presence. The Bible says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, everything within you. Love him. This is the first and the greatest commandment, he says. This is it, to love Jesus and to love his presence. And can I share with you tonight that, that I've had some students ask me, how do you fall in love with Jesus? And that's honestly a hard question to, to answer. But here's how I've responded. You spend time in his presence. 
as you spend time in his presence, as you spend time in the word of the Lord, as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time just meditating on who he is, you have no other option than to fall in love with Jesus. So, so friends of the bridegroom, which, which should be all of us, love Jesus, love his presence. And can I share with you tonight, there is more of that. There's always more. We can never stop loving him more. We can never stop experiencing and encountering more of his presence. There is more. Salvation is not the destination. Salvation, a stop on the road to more. Water baptism, it's not the destination. You haven't met the end of your road. It's a stop along the way to all that God has for you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues? Yes, it's a great thing, but it's not the destination. There's more, there's more. I want to ingrain that in us tonight, that there is more of Him. Tonight, salvation is a free gift. How many of you know that? Salvation is a free gift. Intimate relationship has a cost. Salvation is a free gift. The Holy Spirit is a free gift. But when it comes to intimacy with Jesus, it has a cost. You're going to have to consecrate yourself. You're going to have to take some things. You're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do some pruning like we were talking about just a moment ago. We've got to... There's a cost to it, just like with revival. We've heard Pastor A.J. teach, there's a cost to revival, and it's the same in our own personal revival. This is the same with our own personal intimate relationship with Jesus. You have to give some stuff up. You have to consecrate yourself. You have to pray and fast. You have to do those things to have intimate, deep, close relationship, to get into the deepness, to get into the deep, of all the things that God has for you. James chapter 4, verse number 8. It says, come close to God and He will come close to you. So tonight, I challenge you. Come close to Him. Come close. And He will come close to you. Salvation is a free gift. Intimate relationship has a cost to it. Has a cost. Friends of the bridegroom, number two, love the Word of God. Can I share with you? I've had... I've had a newfound love for the Word of God the last couple months. I just, I love the Word. Love the Word. The Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, the psalmist says. The Word is beautiful. The Word is alive like a double-edged sword. It cuts deep. It cuts and it penetrates. Friends of the bridegroom, they love the Word of God. And I, I felt like I was praying in here this morning. And I felt like the Lord said, enlarge my word tonight. Enlarge. I believe there's some of us that need to enlarge the word of God in our life. What are you feasting on? What are you feasting on? Are you feasting on the word of God? Or are you feasting on TikToks? Are you feasting on Instagram, Facebook? Are you feasting on Fox News? Are you feasting on ABC News? Are you feasting on all these things? Can I, get, can I really get in your business tonight? Y'all aren't going to want me to come back after I say this. Are you feasting on Tennessee football? 
Or are you feasting on the word of God? What's more important here? What's more important? Feasting on the word of God. That's what something, that's something that the friends of the bridegroom, the friends of Jesus, they do. They love the word. So number one, we have they love Jesus. They love his presence. Number two, they love the word of God. Number three, they love the church. They love the church. I love the church. I love the body of Christ. I love the local church. I wouldn't be in a pastoral role if I wasn't, if I didn't. I love the church. I love the people. And I really don't understand. Please, if you understand, please try to help me understand. I don't understand Christians who don't go to church. I'm sorry. I don't. I just I don't understand. Scripture say, forsake not the assembly of the believers. And, and I know Christians who slander the church. And I don't know about you, all the husbands in the room. If someone slandered my wife, we are the bride, the church is the bride. I don't want to slander the church. I don't want to slander his bride. I love the church. And friends of the bridegroom, they love the church. Something else I don't understand, and I'm going to approach this with grace and love because I know there's different, different philosophies, there's different thinking about it, but house church. House church. And we knew this was going to be in church leadership. Everybody knew post-COVID, people were going to want to stay home. But can I share tonight... And I know I'm preaching to the crowd, or to the, to the choir, but house church, if you're just gathering with just a few people in a home, Jesus, he structured, he established the church, first of all, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus established the church, and he also put structure in place, right? And that structure is broken up within a five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, most house churches are lucky to have one of those. Just saying. Just saying. And so what happens a lot of times is people begin to isolate themselves. So what we do, we get out of church. You know, we stay at home because, you know, I'd, I'd rather stay in my pajamas, you know, whatever it might be post-COVID. But we begin to isolate ourselves. And can I share with you tonight that Jesus is not coming back for just you. He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for the universal church. Everyone who put his, their faith and their trust in Jesus, he's coming back for them. He's coming back for the church, not just you. Love the church. Friends of the bridegroom, they love the church. They love Jesus in his presence. They love the word of God. They love the church. Number four, they love the lost. Love the lost. I'm thankful for our house. Are you thankful for Love and Truth Church? That we, one of the focuses is seeing the lost be saved. To encounter the goodness of God. That is, that is one of our main objectives. One of our main missions and visions here at Love and Truth Church. Changing lives to change our world. We love the lost. We love the lost. And that's what we're called to do. As friends of the bridegroom, we're called to love the lost. But can I share with you what loving the lost is not? 
it's not living like the lost. Loving the lost, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like living like them. We should not live like the lost. We're called to be set apart, right? As we've seen here just a few moments ago, we're called to be set apart, pure, pure, dressed in fine linen, white, as Revelation 19 puts it. We're not called to live like the lost. Here's another way, and I see this a lot. You know how we're not supposed to love the lost? It's by expecting all those who don't know Jesus to live like Jesus. How can we expect someone who doesn't know the love of Jesus to live like Jesus? How can we expect that? Because here's what happens. Here's what happens when we expect that. Whenever we attempt to force the lost to live like believers, what happens is behavioral modification. That's all that happens. That's all that happens. The bride should want to see spiritual transformation, not behavioral modification. Behavioral modification, all that does is changes the way you live for a split second. It doesn't change the inside of you. It changes the outside, but it doesn't change the inside of you. We're looking to see spiritual transformation in people. Spiritual transformation where people old become brand new. The old dies and the new comes to life. Living in the favor and the blessings of Almighty God. Spiritual transformation, not behavioral modification. AJ, you can go ahead and come up. So friends of the bridegroom, number one, they love Jesus and his presence. They love the word of God, number two. Number three, they love the church. Number four, they love the lost. Number five, they love family. Friends of the bridegroom love family. Love family. One of the closest ways that we are able to get a glimpse at the relationship between the church and Jesus is to look at a healthy, Christ-centered family. See that in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, Paul says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Friends of the bridegroom, those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb, they love family, their family, their husband, their wife, their children. There's a deep love there. There's a deep love. And that's a good picture. If there's a good Christ-centered family, it's a good picture. Not a perfect picture. Don't get me wrong. But it's a, it's a good picture of the way Jesus looks at his bride. And we are the bride. How many of you are thankful that you are the bride? You are the bride. There's something holy. There's something sacred about that. Stand to your feet all across the room tonight.
Can you just take a moment? I do this with our students in LTY a lot. I like to just take just a few moments and just ponder, to just rest in the presence of the Lord and to just meditate on his goodness. And I want you to just take a moment and ponder on you being the bride, you being the bride, the church, and to ponder on the beauty of the bridegroom, Jesus, Jesus. There's some things I preached it. I believe it. There's some things that, there's some walls that need to be tore down in our lives. There's some things that we need to let go of and let God work through. There's some things, some hurt from the past. I feel that strong. There's some hurt from the past, and what I hear is family wounds. Family wounds. Friends of the bridegroom, they love family. And one of the best things that you can do is to forgive, to release those wounds from those past family traumas. Whether it was dad or mom or uncle or aunt, grandmother, grandpa, whatever it might be, to let those go and let God do the work, to let the Holy Spirit do the work. If if family trauma resonates with you, will you lift up your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I see one. I see a few hands over here on the side. I want to pray for that tonight. Father, I pray for these individuals who raise their hand. And maybe those who didn't raise their hand, God, I pray, Lord, for a supernatural peace to overcome them in Jesus' name right now. Lord, I pray, God, that they would have the the discipline to be able to release, to release that pain, to release it, to forgive, as hard as it may be, to forgive. Give them the grace. Give them the power to do that. Lord, you forgive so we can forgive. of God on this we are the bride we are the church if someone around you raised your hand raised their hand raise your hand everyone that raised their hand to indicate that if you see someone around you that has their hand raised I want you to lay hands on them and start to pray I think the father wants to wants to activate the church tonight he wants to activate the church to do the works of ministry 
lay hands and pray. And all those who don't have someone around you, you begin to pray. Begin to pray in your seat where you are. Father, we pray for a spirit of healing to unleash, to unlock in this house. Lord, I pray ankles be healed in Jesus' name. Brand new, brand new, brand new in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. physically, emotionally, mentally, raise your hand. Everyone across the room, if you, if you need healing, raise your hand. And I believe, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is here. I believe it. I want to pray over you right now, but I also want the church to pray. So all of us, let's raise our voices. I don't want anyone just sitting there observing. Let's all pray together out loud. Father, I thank you for healing. I thank you for healing every body. Be aligned in the name of Jesus. Every sickness, it has to go in Jesus' name. Sickness, it has to go. Lord, I pray for bodies, for minds to be shifted, to be shifted into the direction of Jesus. Lord, thank you that Jesus, because of Jesus, there is healing that's provided for. In the atonement, there is healing. There is healing. You are our healer, so we call upon you, Jesus. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the miracles. It's not about the signs and the wonders. We love those things, but Lord, it's about you. Jesus is about you, so Jesus, pour out your glory tonight. Pour out your glory. Pour out your glory. Pour out your glory. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.